0: Hey, friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm your host for this episode, and I want to thank you for joining with me again for this week's message. Uh, We are continuing to walk our way through the story of Jonah in the Old Testament of the Bible, and today we are focusing on our mission. We are looking at the mission that Jonah was sent out by God to accomplish and seeing what we can learn from that for our mission today, that God is calling every one of us who believes in him to be a part of. Do you know what your mission is? Do you know what we can learn from the mission that other people have been involved in throughout our history? Today, we invite you to sit back and reflect on what your mission is, as we look at the mission of Jonah and see how it relates to our mission for our lives today. We invite you to sit back and relax and reflect with us on this message on our mission. In January of 1907, a revival broke out at a Bible conference in Pyongyang, the capital of North Korea. Those attending the conference came under a deep conviction of sin, especially when a preacher called them to repent of their traditional hatred of the Japanese people. The Korean Christians had accepted the fundamental truths Of the gospel of grace, yet those truths had not really sunk in deeply enough for them to forgive the Japanese. They felt morally superior to a nation they saw as oppressive and cruel. However, at this conference, they began to see themselves as equally sinful and condemned, yet rescued by the costly grace of Christ. Their pride and their bitterness towards the Japanese began to fade away. They returned home with a new willingness to repent of their wrongdoing. People went from house to house reconciling with their neighbors and returning stolen property. Their worship services began to be filled with new power. The result was the explosive growth of the Korean church. The Methodist church there doubled in membership in just one year. Today, some of the largest churches in the world are found in North and South Korea. How do we explain what happened? Some have pointed out that the Japanese Korean packs of 1904 and 1907 imposed Japanese rule on the country. The two countries are less than 600 miles apart, or about a one hour plane flight. Losing control of their country to their hated neighbor may have made them desperate. It may have made them think outside the box do some serious examination of their lives and prepare their hearts for the repentance God wanted to happen. 2 Timothy 2.25 tells us that opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. This tells us that repentance is always a work of God. If we are open to the work of the Spirit in our lives, we will always be examining where we need to change. We will always be willing to repent and turn away from the sins that are keeping us from living in obedience to God. This is a key element in the next chapter in the story of Jonah that we read about in chapter 3, verses 1 through 10 which says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. There are three key verbs in this passage they are to go, to repent, And to relent. The first key verb is to go. At the beginning of chapter one of Jonah, God had commanded him to go to Nineveh, and Jonah had refused. Now, after disobeying God, trying to run away from God, getting caught in a terrible storm, and spending three days and three nights in the belly of a fish, Jonah is finally ready. To obey God. He is willing to finally go to Nineveh. This passage reminds us that the God of the Bible is a missionary God. The God of the Bible is a sending God. When we choose to believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and follow him, God calls every one of us to go somewhere and do something. Sometimes we are called to be missionaries to go to other countries to share the gospel, to establish schools and hospitals, and assist people in their spiritual and physical needs. In recent years, more people have come to realize that the United States is itself a mission field. Some 25 years ago, about 70% of Americans were members of a church. Today, that number is less than 50%. Only about 20% of Americans regularly attend worship on a weekly basis. Ten churches close every day. About 25% of Americans say they have no religion whatsoever. More and more Americans have little, if any, knowledge about what the Bible teaches. The United States is a mission field. There are lots of people right here in our own community who do not believe in God, let alone Jesus. They don't know the Bible. They don't understand Christianity. And they don't understand why they should. The God of the Bible is always sending those of us who believe to go. Even if that just means going down the street, going into our schools, businesses, and hospitals, and going into our communities to be witnesses for Christ every day. Like Jonah, sometimes we are reluctant to do that. Sometimes we drag our feet. Sometimes we lack courage. But God keeps pushing us out the door leave your homes, leave your church buildings, go into the world. Like us, Jonah was worried about what the response to his message was going to be. But how other people respond is not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to go, to obey God, and to share his good news with others. The second key verb in this passage is repent. It took Jonah three days to walk through the city of Nineveh. He said that God would overthrow the city in 40 days. So the people had a choice to make in that time. They could ignore God's word and keep living the way they were. Or they could repent and change their ways and God would spare them, and their city would not fall apart. Surprisingly, the king of Nineveh was touched by Jonah's message. Nobody would have guessed this would happen. The most powerful man in the country, listening to a strange foreigner he had never met before? Jonah didn't have the ear of the king, he was not a trusted advisor. He was of a different race, a different religion and a different country. But the warning from God touched the king's heart and he repented. He put on sackcloth and sat in the dust, which was a sign of sorrow. He issued a decree for everyone to do the same. He told everyone to urgently call on God and give up their evil ways and their violence. It was a call to prayer, a call to humility, and a call to repent. And the people did. They repented. They turned from their evil ways. They changed their lives. A lot of people in our world today say they believe in God but they really don't want to change their way of life. They want to add God on to what they are already doing in case they run into trouble and need God's help. But they don't really want to give up anything about their life. What the Bible shows us, though, is that you have to turn away from some things if you want to turn towards God. There are some attitudes and actions that go against what God wants you to do. God is not just something you add to your life. You have to give up some things to make space for God. You have to turn away from some behaviors if you want to turn towards God. The Bible calls that repentance. The third key verb in this passage is the word relent. When the king calls on the people to repent, he says, Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Jonah preached a message of judgment, but the result was an experience of grace. Some people think that grace and judgment don't go together. They think if you treat people with grace, you will never make judgments. But biblically, grace and judgment always go together. They are two sides of the same coin. It is only when we realize that we are under God's judgment that we experience God's grace. In the Bible, God's judgment is usually not the end of the story. His judgment on us is always meant to lead us into his grace. If we repent, he will relent. The story of Jonah shows us that if we repent, God will relent. God responds to what we are doing. If we dig in our heels, if we refuse to change, if we are stubborn and if we don't listen to God, we will experience his judgment. We will go into a storm like Jonah did when he disobeyed God. But if we repent, God will relent. God wants us to experience his grace and his mercy. He wants us to experience his love and his goodness. He wants us to experience his joy and his abundance. But he wants to see if we will change our hearts, if we will humble ourselves before him, and if we will accept Christ's lordship, over our lives. <clears throat> One man who learned the lessons of Jonah was a Palestinian by the name of Tass Sada. <clears throat> he was born in a tent in the Gaza Strip to poor parents. When the 1967 Six-Day War displaced so many Palestinians, his family moved to Saudi Arabia, where his father became a successful businessman. Toss grew up as an angry young man and joined Fatah, Yasser Arafat's military coalition in Jordan. He became a sniper who killed people as part of his mission to destroy Israel. When he returned to his family after they moved to Qatar, his father refused to allow him to return to Arafat's forces. But he did give him permission to come here to the United States. Here in the US, he found a wife in order to get a green card. But life here was difficult for him as well. He had to work very hard to put food on the table for his family. He committed adultery. He was questioned by the FBI for his connections to Arafat and he came to the end of his rope. About this time, he encountered a Christian by the name of Charlie. He had dreams and visions of Jesus that caused him to finally surrender his life to Christ. He went from being someone who wanted to kill Jewish people to someone who wanted to reconcile Jews and Arabs together through the gospel of Jesus Christ. One morning when he was praying to God, words started coming out of his mouth that would have been totally out of character before. He started praying that God would bless his people Israel and lead them back to the promised land and let them see him as their God. He clapped his hand over his mouth. He had never wished for a single good thing for the Jews in his entire life. Why was he praying for them now? He couldn't explain it. He had the surprising urge to ask God to bless the Jewish people. It made no sense to him. He was learning what Jonah had to learn, that the grace of God prompts us to love even our enemies. We pray for them, and we desire for them to join us at the table with Jesus. At this time, Toss was working in the restaurant business. His work led him to a realtor who was Jewish. Before his conversion, his attitude would have been, sack him for lunch before he eats me for dinner. But now he realized that there was no more fight left in him. He had the stunning realization that Jesus had eliminated his long-standing hatred of the Jewish people. He realized that the closer we get to Jesus, the more reconciled we become to one another. Toss ended up becoming an itinerant minister. He got involved in mission work in the Gaza Strip, providing relief, education, and the gospel. This led to a private meeting he had with Yasser Arafat, where he shared with him the good news of Jesus Christ. God had led him full circle back home again. He had returned to his homeland. But this time, rather than hating the Jews and rather than trying to kill the Jews, he was hoping to save the Jews and introduce them to their Messiah. Toss is a modern day Jonah. Some of us are modern day Jonas too. Sometimes we disobey God, we run away from God And we don't always want to do what God calls us to do. But this chapter in the life of Jonah shows us that the gospel is not just about what we believe. It's also about how we live. It's about a series of actions. And three of those important actions are to go, to repent and to relent. Our God is a sending God. God is always sending us out into the world to join his mission. We are living in a mission field here in the Wabash Valley. There are people here who don't know God, who don't understand Christ, and who are suffering and in need. The message that we share with people is that if you repent, God will relent. God's grace and mercy and forgiveness are available in abundance if you believe in his son, Jesus Christ. So whether you are like the Koreans who had to learn to give up their hatred for the Japanese, or whether you are like Tassada, as a Palestinian, had to learn to give up his hatred for the Jews, or whether you are like Jonah, who had to give up his hatred for the Ninevites, God is calling us to go into the world, to love our enemies, and be reconciled with them. Because when we go where God calls us to go, you never know what just might happen. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.